And I told all of the European nations, it's not fair. We have all these horrible trade imbalances. They take such advantage, they're not taking advantage anymore, folks. Under Republican leadership, America is winning again. America is respected again because we are putting America first. We're putting America first. It hasn't happened in a lot of decades. We're putting them first. We're taking care of ourselves for a change, folks. Thank you. I like that guy, but not that much. <laughs> not that much. But radical Democrats want to turn back the clock for the rule of corrupt, power-hungry globalists. You know what a globalist is, right? You know what a globalist is. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. Nationalist. Nothing else. Use that word. Use that word. Greetings and what's good, everybody. Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad. I'm Andres Tamador. And I'm Justina Kinyi. And we are just three POC in the cornfield, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. Welcome back, soldiers. Thanks again for joining us in our virtual living room. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to you as well, and we hope you enjoy it and derive some value from it. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome and make yourself at home. So you can join the community on Instagram at Christian Soldier and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Soldier. And if you're old school, you can drop us an email at hello at christiansoldier.com. And you can find me on IG and Twitter at thatdudulla. So, Andres and Justine, where can people find y'all on social media? Well, you can find me on Facebook. My name is Tina Akini, and my last name is spelled A-K-I-N for Nigeria, Y-I. A few people have actually sent me DMs on Facebook, y'all. So oh, nice. There we go. I appreciate it. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, no one has sent me DMs or anything like that. But, <laughs> all right. Sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we'll just, I'll just take that out with my therapist. You can catch me on, you can catch me on Instagram at Amador Life. All right. So for today's episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into a subject that we brought up in the Flawless um, episode and the Freestyle episode. So if you haven't heard either one of those episodes, please go back so you can have a frame of reference. And those two are really good. So, and, and again, and again, we want to thank Rex 
on the freestyle episode for making himself available for a great, great, great conversation. And I think uh, people are really going to enjoy that in, uh, in just the upcoming days. So please, if you haven't heard that episode, just uh, take a good listen at it. Yes, people are getting that, that episode is getting a really great response so far. So lots of really great content there. So, um, so Justine, as you listen to, to that episode, what are some of the thoughts that you had when you were listening to it? Wow. So y'all, first of all, I need to say this. Um, that episode was fire. Like I felt like a fly on the wall and I just got to learn so much. And, you know, generally speaking, I am kind of reluctant to talk about politics with people that don't believe the same things that I do. And usually that's just because I don't think we can ever agree on anything. But through this episode, um, I was able to learn that it's actually possible to have a very constructive and eye-opening conversation with people whose political beliefs might be starkly different from yours. Um, And you guys, with the elections coming up in November, I would say that these conversations are not only beneficial, they are necessary. And y'all know, as always, Abdul and Andres kept it all the way real. So again, like Andres said, um, this episode lays a very good foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. So I would 1000% recommend that you check that one out. Yeah, stuff that Rex said just uh, made me think a lot and actually put uh, some things into context. It's just uh, very interesting to hear a different perspective so i i really do appreciate the conversation that we had and again his willingness to participate Mm -hmm. in the conversation um yeah we definitely need more conversations like this one yeah right right yeah it was it was it was a really good again you know we we're not trying to falsely hype the episode but you know, for you listeners, if you are paying attention to the conversations on social media or mm. how the news is playing out and you have, you, have, you have people in two different camps, so to speak, that are just shouting at each other and yes. nobody's listening. And, you know, and so, you know, what's the, um, I think it was Stephen Covey. It was uh, seek first to understand, then be understood. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. and so we spend so much time trying to be understood, which we should, but I think, you know, love and grace and humility would dictate seek first to understand, you know, so what's the, what's the heart and the, and the perspective of somebody else? You know, are you, are you talking to each other and with each other or are you talking at each other? Right. And so, so yeah, so that's, that to me was the value of that conversation. Yeah. The danger of part is that we're getting to a place where we don't have to talk with each other anymore. Mm. You know, that we can stay in our each, each individuals or the echo chamber. Like I don't, you know, I can, I can all day talk to people with my um, political or religious or whatever point of view. I mean, I could find people to talk to about anything nowadays, you know, and I could just stay in that, in that room, virtual room. So that's, that's the dangerous part that we don't have to have the conversations anymore because I can just find a group of people that I can just relate with and not have to do the hard work of having to listen yeah. and understand and compromise 
any of that. That it's it's not necessary. So that's one of the dangers of living in in this fragmented mm-hmm. world that we're living, or at least country that we live in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's really good. So good. Yeah. And you know, also as I was listening to the podcast, uh, sorry, to the episode, I realized that people could have very different uh, political viewpoints, but even in those differences, like there could be a lot of similarities, you know? So I noticed that some of Rex's beliefs kind of meshed with maybe what Andre's beliefs, you know? And so I think for me, like that was just such an eye-opening moment because in my head, again, I just, I just never think like, man, I could have a conversation with someone who's like all the way to the complete opposite of what I believe. But I think through the episode, I was like, in some ways, like we have a lot of similarities, you know, and a lot of similar belief systems. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's good. So, okay. So what, what were your other thoughts on the conversation started as a result of a question that he had, you know, for us and, and just some things that kind of triggered him, as, as, as he said, triggered him, you know, for, for example, that you said, and that just kind of got him thinking about his, his socialization and his, all that kind of stuff. So. So what'd you think about all of that, that piece? Yeah. You know, I really, I really appreciated that because first of all, I cannot imagine how much boldness it took for him to even send that email. So for those of you who maybe have not listened to the episode yet, um, in, in one of the past episodes, I forget which one it is, but I had mentioned, um, that I sometimes struggle with the possibility of marrying someone who is American because I don't know what that's going to mean for my children. You know, um, when I think about American history, you know, and slavery and, and Jim Crow and segregation and Japanese internment camps, you know, just all these things. I'm like, is that a history that I want to give my children? Right. And I am in a stage of life where I can kind of, you know, like I can be very like picky in terms of who my children's father will be, possibly, you know. Um, so anyway, and so, you know, kind of like Rex had questions about that. And he actually caused me to really think about that. And uh, I don't know. I think, I think I have to be able to divide America from Americans. Mm. Okay, Does that okay. make sense? So meaning yeah, that I could. Yeah, yeah, say more about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say this. I don't, I don't think that American people are necessarily defined by their history. I do think, though, that they are maybe defined by what they do with that history. So ultimately, if I do end up marrying an American person, I would hope that he is able to to grapple with the full American history, you know, like to grapple with the good parts of it and the evil parts of it, and that he's able to acknowledge that um, and figure out if we do have kids, like what will that mean for them? Hmm. So I don't know, you know, like I think, I think Rex's question really challenged me and I like... I just feel like my nature, like I can just be a very judgmental person, you know, very judgmental. Oh, America did this and America did that. And the, you know, like the conversation that y'all had with him, like really 
really opened my eyes and also kind of just like listening to him. Um, Rex, if you're listening to this, like you just sound like a really good person. Oh, yes. You know, yeah, I was like, I was like, dude. I know, I know. Yes. You know, I was like, I know his question did not come from like a place of disdain, you know, right. like it came just from a place of. Um, well, to be fair, originally he was angered. Yeah. And to his yeah. Credit, understandably, understandably. To, to yeah. his credit. And then he was like, oh, you know, that wasn't me, which he mentioned in the podcast as well. Yes. In the episode yes. and that sort of yeah. thing. So it did bring up something, but he did the work though. That's the thing. to that, you know, Right. He, he, and so that's good. all we're asking. Those emotions came up and that's, that's, that's yes. actually what we're asking people to go through that okay. people just don't want to put themselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. The emotion came, mm-hmm. the anger came, the, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Where's that coming from? Yes. Yes. And actually you know asking yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's good. That's so good. good. Yeah. So I know we're going to um, keep going about, about what the title of this episode is. So I want to wrap this part of the conversation up by recommending a book. Mm-hmm. So there's a book. The book is called Bowling Alone. It was written um, in 2000 by, um, by Robert Putnam. And it's about the decline. Like it's, so it's subtitled The Collapse and Revival of American Community. It's about the declining of um, social networks, right? So um, up, until, up until, say, the, the 90s, you know, um, we had all these associational networks that were, that were bipartisan and whatever. So we had bowling leagues, we had PTA, we had um, the, the, the pool league, you know, like, like billiards. Mm-hmm. We had um, people spent more time with each other, even yeah. when they had different political ideologies. And so Putnam is talking about how that has impacted American society and American culture and not in a good way, but what he does in that is he gives us kind of the, the part of the road back to that. And so mm-hmm. when we have social media and enclave news networks and all those yeah. kind of thing, it further exacerbates the thing that Putnam is talking about. And so, so these kind of conversations that we have with Rex are very, they seem like they're, they're, they're becoming more and more and more and more unusual. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, and which is, which is, I'm glad you brought up that book. I've, I think you told me about the book. I've never read it, but you told me enough about it. Uh, and that's what I meant at the beginning. Like we can, we're now in a place where I could go probably the rest of my life and not interact with someone who has an opposing view to mine. If right. I really want it, if you really wanted to. It's yes. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. So, all right, let's keep it cracking. So Andres, what's the next track on the mixtape? All right. So as you may already know, we name our episodes after song titles because we just like music and it just sounded like a good idea at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at some point we're going to run out of songs. No. Oh gosh, no, we will I mean, not. I've you been thinking so? about this. No. <laughs> I mean, okay. Anyway, so the name of the episode, this episode is Born in the USA. Do patriotism and nationalism mix? Born in the USA being the famous uh, Bruce Springsteen song back from the 80s, right? Yep. So what better subject to talk about when the country remembered both Constitution Day and Citizenship Day on September 17th and Patriot Day, which occurred on September 11th? Right. So, Justine, have you heard that song? 
I mean, I know you're a millennial, so that's one of those <laughs> 80s songs that, and, and that's, and that's no yeah, diss that's at like all. What, like, that's just 85. Yeah. That came out in 1984 in June, 1984. You know, so, I have not, okay. I'm going to be honest. I have yeah. not. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why I ask because, because I know we have some millennial listeners and I know we have listeners in different countries who may not have heard that song. And so those of you who are, you know, who, who were com- maybe coming of age or older in the 1980s when that song came out, you know how huge of a song that was. That was like this, this anthem song. And this song, this song was what? It was, it was on the chart for seven weeks. Wow. And yeah. So and so, I'm sorry. It was, it was number one for seven weeks. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. number one for seven weeks. Uh, it came out slightly before the 4th of July that year. And after 4th of July, it blew up. Wow. And and it was and so the album itself and the album spawned a lot of singles, like like top mm-hmm. top singles, but the album was on the charts for 143 weeks. Oh my Let's translate goodness. that. Two years. That's two yeah, no, years, nine months. Yeah. Wait, how how many? How long? Two years and nine months. Yeah. 143 weeks. Wow. Yeah. It wouldn't die. So so yeah, so this 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 album. And that was, was back in the massive. day where you had to when you had to go outside in the cold and walk in snow and go into a record store and purchase a product. Mm. Yes, this is not streams. Yes, this is yeah, this is records, actual physical, tangible tapes and records. So, right. but the point of that being that this was a huge song, mm-hmm. and people th- and, and so and so, I would imagine, Andres, you 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 picked this song. I would imagine that part of the reason why you picked it was because when people heard that song, like it made folks tear up. Mm. Right, like it was, it it was like like Lee like like Lee Green went proud to be an American kind of thing. It was it 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 was an emotional right. song for people, right? But the thing was, I think it's one of those songs that you just like the hook, you know, like born in the USA that yep. thing. The song is about a guy who goes to Vietnam, right, mm. <laughs> right, and telling his story and that kind of stuff. So it's so I just picked it. You know, I, I'm not as, as deep as you guys when you guys pick your song titles. Like you guys find lyrics and that relates to the subject matter. I just, I just thought of the title. Fair enough. <laughs> like, what was the other one that I picked? I picked the, uh, oh, the Nick of Time. Yep. And yep. then the song has nothing to do with the subject. Nothing at all. That's, that's me. That's me. I'm just, just so, I'm, I'm just superficial. <laughs> no, you're not, and not even, but not even a little bit. Right. So, but okay, but anyway, so yeah, so. That's the song, and that's why the episode. But as always, we like defining terms so everybody is on, on the same page. So let's first define patriotism. And I went to dictionary.com just real quick, and it mentions that patriotism was first recorded in the 1700s. And of course, you know, by, the seven, by the 1770s, it, that word uh, refers to what we all think about. It's just basically a member of a resistance movement or a freedom fighter specifically those who fought against the British in the War of Independence. That's what you think of when you think of the word patriotism. Now, as everybody knows, patriotism is also based on the word patriot, which is first recorded in the 1500s. And ultimately, the root means fatherland. Mm. So that's also where we get paternal and patriarchy. So that's why we're saying that these episodes are mm. kind of linked to that series that we went to. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, it's a great song that I love from Ruben Blades. It's called La Patria. Mm. So it's, it's, but it's, it's the way he translated, you would think it would translate to fatherland, but it translates to motherland. 
And I, and I find that. Huh. Is that because of Spanish? Is that how that works? I, yeah, I, 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 I was always been curious about that. And for some reason I never dug into it. Okay. Okay. Now, most people would say that patriotism is more about devoted love and support, support or defense of one country, national loyalty, et cetera. Now, I think that's where we begin to blur the lines between patriotism and nationalism, which is how the American president, Donald Trump, called himself back in 2018 from the open that you just heard, that he identified himself as a nationalist and that it was okay to be a nationalist. So what's a nationalist? A nationalist or nationalism is just the policy or, or doctrine of asserting one interest of one nation viewed as separate from the interests of other nations or common interests of all nations. So when President Trump was talking about rejecting like being a globalist and globalist mm-hmm. being this bad thing, that's what he was referring to. It's, it's the America first concept. And so the thing is, is there a danger where every single country doesn't think of the rest of the world and it's just thinking of themselves? All right. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing also with, with nationalism is that it could also be understood as excessive or aggressive patriotism. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So are you saying like that, that that's inherently so? Well, I think for the purposes of our episode, mm. actually, I'm going back to the first episode when, you're, when you were describing yourself as a patriot. Yep. And I would imagine that you're going by that 1700 definition of patriot, where you are a member of a resistance movement, a freedom fighter. That's exactly right. Um, and in that sense, um, there's all these conversations that we've been having about um, a press group of people and just mm-hmm. marching on and, and keep keeping on for love of country because yeah. we believe in that promise that's in that document. I would classify all those people as patriots, right? Right. Yeah, agreed. Now, with nationalism is that idea that I'm just going to take care of myself, okay? Before I even, even if I think about somebody else, even if I think about another country, basically the way I'm interpreting, and we can have a discussion about that, is that there's hardly any concern for the other. So my faith tradition informs me that that's that's just not the way it's supposed to be without getting too far into religion and whatnot for this episode it's it just doesn't inform how i see the rest of the world if i'm told to love my neighbor that includes other countries as well so nationalism is more of a negative take i like the way it was said it was aggressive patriotism it's like you taking you're taking that love of country and which is fine but now you're making it like it's like it's like saying the difference between confidence and cockiness Ooh. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah and this and it's a fine line mm-hmm. you know you know cockiness means that for example like my name i could have yes my name is andres and i know my name is andres but cockiness is my name is better than yours yeah which comes out of nowhere yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like you need to prop yourself up artificially for some reason mm-hmm. yeah that's good yeah yeah so good, Andres. And you know, if I'm being honest for me, like this, this, this conversation is very new in my space because 
I have not spent a lot of time thinking about nationalism versus patriotism. And I was, as I was preparing for this episode, I asked myself why that's the case. And I think it's because <laughs> I might get into trouble for this, but I'm going to say this anyway. Um, it's, because, it's because I was born and raised in a completely different country and a completely different culture. And a lot of times I don't feel like America is home for me. And if you are an immigrant living in America, like, I wonder how you feel about this, but sometimes I'm like, yes, on paper, I am American, but I don't feel American because I've only lived here, like I've only lived here for 10 years. And so even like when we're having these conversations, it's like, can I be patriotic? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. technically I'm American, but like, I don't really feel American. And if I'm being honest, I'm also Kenyan, but I don't live in Kenya. So am I really Kenyan? I don't know. Like, it's kind of just like this weird space that I'm kind of having to navigate. So I think for me, this episode is going to be very eye-opening and it's going to cause me to think more about these terms. Now, when I think of nationalism, I think of a belief system where you think that your country is superior to other countries. You know, so like my, my country is better. My country does everything right. So even when we, when we think about things like colonization, right, um, I think that does have like an underbelly of nationalistic undertones. Now, on the flip side, when I think of uh, patriotism, like I think of you having a pride and a very deep love for your country, which is, I think, where we all want to be, right? Like, I want to be proud to be an American. I want to be proud of my Kenyan roots not in like a boisterous, my country is better than yours type of vibe, but in a way of like, I am happy to be from this country. I am proud to be from this country, but I also acknowledge that other countries are just as good as mine is. Yeah. I, I totally relate to what Justine is saying, just because of um, I'm Puerto Rican. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And yes, uh, we're territory of the United States. Mm-hmm but we speak Spanish. We're known for speaking Spanish and we have this other culture that's not what would be called American culture. So where is my patriotism? Mm. You know, uh, you know, the pledge of allegiance, uh, pledge allegiance to the flag. Right. I mean, and I said it, I said it when I was in the fourth grade, when I was in North Carolina, I said it, Uh, but it was just something I, I, I said, right. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get your struggle. Um, hmm. Now, in my, my story's been more that I've assimilated more. I mean, I, I know when I was going to college, I met a lot of Puerto Ricans who, who just basically graduated high school and then came to yeah. Iowa State. And so their, their patriotism for Puerto Rico was really strong. Not that mine isn't, mm-hmm. but it was just really like, some of them were just like, there was a, a line. They just came for school, yeah. got what they wanted, and went back home. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from in this in this conversation because I think about that too. You know, every every once every once in a while, I mentioned. Yeah, again, back to the first episode, uh, the second half of the first episode. It's like, I mean, I root for Puerto Rico, like when they're playing against the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, basketball, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I rooted for Puerto Rico against the dream team. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's love you right know? there. <laughs> so that's love. I mean, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that whole 
thing too is is the danger for me with nationalism is just when it gets um, um, just out of hand, where it's just like you, we're better, mm-hmm. we're number one, and you know you owe stuff to yeah. us and that that kind of thing. And and maybe we'll get into it, but it's it's just this whole thing also with nationalism, this us versus yeah. them, this this dangerous always having to classify and identify and mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so justine i have a just i think maybe two questions for you so the first question is this uh since you've since you've been in the states even though like you're kind of in this middle in this middle ground right do you feel like your americanness or patriotism has grown in that 10 years mm. Honestly, because it's not something I've ever really thought about, my honest answer right now would be no. Now, to be clear, okay. I am not saying that I don't like America. That is not what well, I'm oh, saying. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. right. it's just not right. something that I've been conscious about. And even looking back when I was growing up in Kenya, I never really thought about that. I was like, you know what? The Lord just decided to drop me in Kenya, and and this is where I am. You know, like I never really thought yeah. about. What does it mean to be proud of my country, to love my country? So I think that's going to be a cool journey for me to go through, you know, um, especially now uh, in this season. But also, um, and I, you know, and like I talked about home and how I don't like, I don't really feel like America is home for me because I feel like all I've done here is just go to school. You know, like that's mm, all I've done, and you yep. know, like I've just I've just studied and studied and studied, um, and so I feel like a lot of times, like my only connection to America has been my education, mm-hmm. and I've not really mm-hmm. explored anything outside that, right? So I think when I begin to explore other facets of how my life fits into America then maybe I'm going to have that sense of this is home for me. I love my country. I am proud to be American. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, and, and I think the other, so the other question I had for you is, is maybe more of a, of a comment than a question. So, mm-hmm. so I wonder if there's something in there that has to do with, um, so under, so listeners, I, I think it's important for you to also understand that becoming American is also a story and a process that is really almost inextricably linked to race mm. and 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 racism, right? Mm-hmm. So because the the European immigrants who come to America, part of why they came was to, you know, kind of the whole quote better life thing, right? But mm-hmm. part of what it meant to be an American for a long, long time was to shed all of the cultural things that made you um, Irish or Lithuanian or Scottish or whatever to become American. And so I feel like that's that. I don't know if that ethos is that the ethos is changing nowadays with folks who are immigrating and, and, and okay. So um, I want to be a valuable, viable part of American society, but I don't want to give up Mm -hmm. my, my cultural and national identity from where I come from either. So I wonder if there's some of that in there too, yeah. like, like that, that you're also in the middle of, so it's not just you who might be struggling with this. Like you might be in the middle of the, there might be just this societal shift mm-hmm. in how we think about what it means to be an American if you're an immigrant. Right. 
So, so good. I don't know. That's just, just, just a thought. Yeah. So no, now, that's, that's super good mm-hmm. too. And it talks about what we were talking about earlier in the, in the episode that we can get into these silos, right? Cause if the idea was you came into the country, you assimilated and you became American, but really that story was you try to be mm-hmm. white. Right. Because the story yes. of America is about being yes. white and sorry to say. That's exactly <laughs> right. The story I mean, of America is about the story. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? It so is. now that we're in 2020, people may still want to come to America for the opportunity. But now the story is I still want to keep yeah. my being Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. You know, I still yes. want to keep being Kenyan. So you're absolutely right, Abdul. It's like, what does being in America look like? And I think that's the this, this struggle that a lot of people are having that believe the story of America being the story of being white and that story is changing mm-hmm. and we yes. don't know what that story is now. Exactly. Like we're, right. in this, we're in this messy middle yeah. right yes. now and that's yes. where all these fear and concern and oh my goodness, we got to hang on to what we have. We got to conserve what we had. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Because the, the story of America is changing. Right. So I want to talk for a second about you know, the, the whole idea of patriotism and nationalism, right? So um, for me, those ideas, I don't think they are inherently um, excessive or aggressive. So I would say, for example, that one thing that makes a nation a nation is the idea of borders and the idea of geographic boundaries, right? So in a very simplistic sense, you know, a nationalist might be somebody who cares about the things that are inside their borders. That can become toxic and go way sideways, right? But, um, but to take care of people, you have to, in some way, or you have to have some way of deciding what people to take care of. And so, as a nation establishes borders, you know there is like social, like social mores and uh, acceptable ways of being. There's written laws and unwritten rules. There's all of that. And so, there, there, there are a bunch of good things about caring about your nation that can be co-opted, let's say, by like bad actors, mm. you know? So, so yeah, so I don't think that that idea is inherently, inherently bad. So here's, here's a good example. So think about your family, right? So for your family, your family has rules, your family has ways of being, your family has culture and mores and all that kind of stuff. And you have things that are designed to keep you and your family safe in the kind of safe, healthy, loving relationships, right? So the rules that you have are different from the ones that your neighbor has. There's a boundary there and there's a different border there, so to speak. You know, so if your family's rules aren't the same as my family's rules, for example, or, or the neighbor's rules or whatever, then that's okay. And the same is kind of true for countries, right? Mm-hmm. So and now I know the analogy breaks down at some point, but, um, you know, I would say, you know, I love my family fiercely yeah. and would protect it at all costs, Right. So using the analogy of, of nationalism, on the one hand, we should love our country fearlessly and we should protect it at all costs. However, and here's the asterisk, we should make sure that that protection at all costs doesn't go crazy with doing something that's unjust or whatever to another country. Mm-hmm. So to me, where nationalism goes sideways is when and this is, I think, the clip that, was, that, we, that we played at the beginning of the episode, where nationalism goes sideways is when those wants and considerations and needs and et cetera, when they come into conflict with other nations' wants and needs and those kind of things. And so 
then when it goes sideways is when those, when those things conflict, we say we're better. We're going to go take what you have or what we call quote national interest becomes ever so expansive that now we care about what's going in your country. Yeah. And, and for all intents and purposes, there's some kind of loss of your own self-determination, but we would never tolerate that kind of loss of self-determination if other countries were doing the same to us. Right. So that's where I think it gets, it gets, it gets kind of wonky. And so we, we, we justify all of, you know, kind of our meddling in other people's business in the guise of like national interest. And so I think what part of what the, toxic nationalism, you know, like in the clip there with the president is this kind of my house, my rules, you know, and, and I'm going to protect me and mine over here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the posturing that that clip kind of shows. And so if we were on the same block for just use a house example, a family example, again, if we're on the same block and we have common interests and those common interests are, if, if those common interests are nowhere near impacting anything that happens at my house, in a negative way, that's where we should be compromising, you know? So, but if, if your, if your interests come against my interests, well, then we have conflict then we have a problem. So then we have to have some mediating body to say, Hey, let's establish some kind of rules that decide what common interest is, mm. you know, i.e. the UN or right. something like that. Right. So. But somebody who's a has, nationalist in that, in that sense, doesn't want to hear from the because nobody's nobody's going to tell me to use your analogy. No one's going to tell me how to run my house. Right. You no, know, my concern with the with well, I don't have a concern with your analogy, but to use your analogy of the house is that the way nationalism is being played out now again is the the story of this country is one story, mm -hmm. and there cannot be competing stories. Yes. Yep. That's that's one thing. So imagine the house and then there's three, let's say there's five people in the house. Three of them share a story. Let's mm -hmm. say two of those other ones were adopted mm -hmm. into the house. Mm -hmm. Right? And we're only going to look out for the three that were part of that original house. And we're not going to concern ourselves really with the other two, even though we share the same roof, right. we're in the same house, right. because the story of this house is the story of the original three mm -hmm. and not the other two. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And even within the house, those three are better than the other two. Supposedly. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Supposedly. <laughs> so, so here, so when I saw that, that clip and every time I hear about, like the idea of like nationalism or even like extremists, like white nationalism, what comes to mind for me is, okay, so wait a minute, here's what nationalism has actually come to mean. So it's America first, as long as you agree with who we say Americans are. Yeah. So right. POC, people of color, people who want social change, immigrants, people who don't, who don't idolize the flag or use it as a prop. Those folks need not apply. Mm. Right? I mean, so for me as a as a as a patriot, as somebody who deeply loves this country, like Chris Rock said, you know, that in, in this bit, he said, there, if you're um 
if you're black in America, you have, you know, you have a different relationship with America. America is like that, that rich uncle that paid your way through college, but molested you. Mm. Oh, geez. And so I am not at all saying anything negative against victims of, Mm. of, of sexual abuse. Right. But what I'm, but, but the analogy I, I feel like is fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. And so if you are, if you're in this country as an African-American, you know, you, you love this country despite the egregious things that it did and continues to keep doing to you. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's America first, as long as you don't, you know, I was disgusted when the president hugged the flag using it for a prop. You know, I mean, I just think, come on, man, you need to go find more to do. So, you know, um, well, that was something that was going to bring up later on, but we can bring it up here since, since we kind of started talking about it. That's what I refer to, like, or it's been referred to, I, I call it like legalism, patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, borrowing the legalism from um, Christianity, meaning that if you do X, Y, and Z, then it's you are okay. Enough. You know, yep. well, if you stand for the flag, if you do X, Y, and Z, and that means that you're American. Well, that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and uh, hugging of the flag, other people have called that easy, even easy patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where yeah. are you when somebody else wants to burn the flag using their First Amendment rights? Uh-oh. Now, I understand. Flag on the play. You just triggered somebody. <laughs> Some. Some people yeah. heard this one. Wait you a minute. What is it my flag burning? What? What? <laughs> no, and that's the thing. And that and that's the thing. Well, I may disagree with that. I think the truest version of your love of country is to allow someone to express themselves in a way that just boils your blood. Yeah. Yes. As 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 long as long as their boil their blood boiling expression of themselves doesn't equal any kind of clear and present danger to you. Mm. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's, about that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of like free that. speech. Right. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, what are you saying? But I allow it just because yes. that's what this country was founded on. And that's what it, so, yeah, that's what it means to be an American is, is the idea of pluralism. It's the idea yeah. multiple points of view can and should coexist. They should not be dangerous towards one another. Right. Right. Oh, great conversations going on, y'all. So we are going to take a quick break and give you time to process everything that we have just talked about. So this segment of our episode is called the liner notes, and it is my personal fave. Um, And it's basically where we take a break (laughs) from the fight and talk about a song, a piece of art or culture, a book, or just anything that is feeding our spirits, inspiring us or giving us life. So Abdul, what's been giving you life lately? Um, this has been giving me life now for a few weeks, and I've been sitting on this one because I have a few different things that give that are giving me life, and I've been trying to put one out every episode. Right. <laughs> so this one, Pacific Islanders are giving me life right now. Mm, share more. <laughs> so okay, so when I think about, so I had the I had the privilege of attending a church that, that was very, like, very economically, uh, ethnically, sociologically diverse. And so it was, 
it was African-American, white, Latino, Samoan, and a couple of Asian. And so it was just, it, it was just a, a beautiful experience and, and, and also had the, the privilege of, of, of pastoring, being on the pastoral team in that church too. And so, um, you know, I just got to know like um, some Samoan friends. Mm-hmm. And so they were kind of giving me just like so much cultural exchange happening. And I'm just, I was just loving it, right? Yes. Well, then just in the last couple of weeks, my son has been discovered, one of my sons has been, has been discovering some of this Samoan music on, on like YouTube and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, and then he's seeing these like p- folks doing soul music. So specifically oh. like Tongan folks, um, Australian folks who were of maybe like Samoan or Tongan or mm-hmm. Solomon Island, descent, something like that. And they're, and they're doing R and B and soul music. And, and there, there is just, so like, there's a, there's a, um, let's see, there is uh, a cover of Tevin Campbell's Can We Talk done by these three pack Islanders, right? Like three folks sitting on the couch with an acoustic guitar. They just chilling out and they're doing Tevin Campbell and it sounds amazing. And so um, there's that, there's this Australian artist named Emily Mooley, man, like, the, like there, there's some kind of like, just, just, just in the expression of their culture, there's something that's to me, that's just beautiful and that moves my spirit. And so there are several, I, I can go on and on, but there are several different songs and artists that are just giving me life right now and how, and how they interpret and express soul music. Uh, Fatai is another one of them. She is, she, she's cold. She's a cold thing. Mm. So I'll put some links to some of these in the, in the show notes. But when I think about these kind of things, yeah, this, just this, the, this diversity and musical yeah. tastes and genres and how other cultures um, are, for example, interacting with and interpreting soul music, kind of my, my native expression, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's giving me life right now. So cool. Andres. All right. Hey, don't forget the Jets. You remember that band? I got a crush on you. <laughs> you got it all over him. Yes, I remember the Jets. <laughs> Had I been born when the Jets were bumping? Mm-hmm. No. No. What? Okay. And to be fair, they, so. they weren't. They weren't bumping. They had. Oh. They had a couple, two or three singles. Oh no! Yeah, they got a couple of songs and yeah, yeah they just faded out. I don't know if they ever made it to the like to the pop charts, but they mm. were on the R and B charts. Okay. I think they made it to the pop charts. Did they? Okay. Yeah, I think so. That's probably where I heard them. Pop charts. Yeah, they're that, more R and B charts. I'm more pop. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Anyway. There, there was a couple of years where like they broke and DeBarge broke and. You know, like, you know, hey, look, let's look at how multi-ethnic we are. <laughs> so there's some of that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Menudo, yeah. when they came to the States. Hey. <laughs> Don't mess with Menudo. <laughs> Whom the, the, New Edition stole their format. It's vice versa, dog. Vice versa. Nah, we're just going to have to come no. back. We're just going to have to come back to that. I have no idea they, no. who these people are. A new edition. <laughs> Justine is just clueless right now. New edition. No, it was, it was, it was, it's the new edition of the Jackson 5. So yeah. Menudo stole their shtick from the Jackson 5. So let's keep that funky. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I should, we, should, we should have that as an episode. We'll just debate that the whole hour. Let's go. <laughs> All right. What's giving me life? Um, Netflix is going to have an, ep- uh, uh, an episode. Netflix is going to have a show. It's called Song Exploder. And it's a podcast in which artists explain how they create, they go about making songs. I've never heard of, 
the podcast. I've heard of the podcast. But I was really excited when I saw a trailer that it's coming to Netflix. So they were showing Alicia Keys. Um, uh, oh, ironically enough, um, the lead singer for R.E.M. explaining losing my religion. Are you he serious? Was on the trailer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So it's just the whole idea of the process, the behind the scenes of how artists make songs. So as, as somebody who wished they could write songs and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like the guy just on the outside of the, the glass, just like, watching. can I get in please? Press. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> like I ask, I ask my wife all the time. She stings. As it goes. And I think I've asked you too. I think I've asked you too, Abdul. It's like, like, how do you guys know that you were good? Like, how did you guys know when you can sing? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it was when folks started paying me to do it. <laughs> oh, there you go. There. <laughs> I wow, made a my. pretty decent living as a, as a working musician. Wow. So there you go. Stuff like that. So I just, I just like seeing all that behind the scenes. And, and so I just, I just look forward. I don't think the episode is out yet, but I'm really, uh, Looking forward to it. So, Justine, what's giving you life? Yes. Okay, so first of all, I do want to mention this. Andres' wife, Katie, is a phenomenal singer, y'all. She is, mm-hmm. like, she mm-hmm. literally, like, when she sings, like, there's just, like, a depth to her voice. Oh, I love it. Okay. She got a little soul to her. She got a little soul to mm-hmm. her. So what's been giving me life? You know, honestly, it's all of you soldiers. Like, I cannot tell you how many conversations I have been having with some of my friends. Who are listening to this podcast and it's just so good to hear all the feedback you know um one of my friends they recently had a baby maybe like two weeks ago um and while they were waiting for the baby to arrive at the hospital the guy was listening to our podcast and i was like how cool like you just sat there for like eight hours and listened <laughs> to our podcast as you waited for your baby to arrive that's awesome wow so it's just it's just always good um to hear you know, that people are listening to us and that you are actually taking the time to process through what we talk about on our episodes. What's the baby name after one of us? No. <laughs> She's Man. a girl. I know Justine would be so perfect. We're not, we're not that her. famous yet. Not yet, Andres. Or Christine. There's always Christine, know, you know. Christine, <laughs> Christine. <laughs> Christine would be a good option, yes. I have, I have, I have called Justine, Christine. Do you know how many times? So many times. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I have like, at least like five day, times. Like, yeah. I like what, what in the world? Where does that even come from? Anyway, sad. So sad. I forgive you, Andres. I forgive you. Thank you. Your sins are forgiven, my son. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump back to it. So we've been discussing uh, patriotism and nationalism. So let me uh, ask you guys a question here. Is there, is there any way, do you think that you can actually enforce patriotism? I mean, we talked about the president hugging the flag and, um, and uh, um, anti-flag burning legis- uh, laws out there. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think patriotism can be enforced? Like, oh, you got to stand up and you have to put your hand on your heart and, and sing the national anthem. And that's what makes you patriot and all that kind of stuff. We have a name for that. It's called fascism. 
Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. We used the F word. We just <laughs> yeah. dropped the F bomb. I mean, if 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 you if you make patriotism uh, like compulsory, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm I, just saying you were gonna say something, so I'll, I'll be quiet. I'm just saying this: if if you make it compulsory, a that is very dangerous, but b and most importantly, it is un-American. It is it is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that kind of sounds almost like brainwashing, you know, like if you, if you have to force someone um, to do things or like if you have to force someone to love their country, um, it's almost like you kind of have to, I don't know, like erase their own, um, kind of like their own will, you know, and um, I don't know, like I think being, being patriotic, being patriotic does not mean that you are blind or that you kind of have like a shallow or like a surface level love for your country. I think, I think it comes from like a place of genuinely, like I have taken the time to know what my country is about, to know what my country stands for, to know my country's history, to know what we're desiring to move into in the future. And I am happy about that. I am proud about that. And I love my country. So I, you know, kind of like what Abdul said, I don't think, I don't think you should enforce patriotism. I mean, you could, but I don't think you should. So there are ways you can enforce patriotism socially. Mm -hmm. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, Mm -hmm. So let me say that. But right now, there are a lot of people who are, who are attempting to enforce patriotism socially. And, and part of how they do that is with their vote. Part of how they do that is, is right now we have this whole social mood and I've been, you know, th- th- it's been around for a while that I've noticed this, that for some reason, it seems to me like the Republican party is the party of the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Like er- everybody's got a flag, everybody, right? And, and, and if you're not, somehow it's been, you know, patriotism has been, yeah. has become partisan. Yeah. Wow. And so, yes. and so, and yes. so that. Yes. To me, that's kind of a form of social coercion. Like you're not, you're not American because you don't believe this and this and this and this. How dare you say that to me? Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just like the next man. You can have my flag when you pry it from my cold dead hands. Mm-hmm. However, you know, just just because I'm not, I'm not, you know, with the with the big American flag in the back window of my car. And I don't have a flag embossed on every single piece of clothing that I own makes me no less patriotic. Yeah. So, so, so I think, we, I think there is a movement in certain circles to, to um, enforce some kind of feigned patriotism. But to me, it is, it's enforced, it's enforcing the myth mm. of America. It's enforcing yeah. the American right. lie. That's right. what it's so enforcing. True. It's not enforcing the telling of the truth. It's enforcing the believing of the fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Abdul, that's so true. Because even when I drive around and I see um, like the American flag on someone's car, I kind of already just begin to make assumptions about them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the sad part. Like you said, Abdul, that we've made now, even the flag, mm-hmm. patriotism, everything now is turning into partisan. <sighs> Because I've had yes. those same, and I've had to fight myself mm. for not having those thoughts that when like, okay, 
you got your flag outside your house and all that kind mm, of stuff. Yeah. You know, like, what are you saying? Are you saying something else? I mean, what? And it could be just me, but it's just the state that we're in. It's, we're, yeah. we're, in we're in such a just, I don't know, it's just a bad place where we're not even questioning people's intent. Right. And they're just putting up their, their flag. flag. And they could have just, it could be just benign. It's just, it could just be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. But we've gotten out to this place where like, are you saying something else? Oh my gosh, like, yeah. You know, right. that, that myth, mm-hmm. that story. Like this, like, have you seen those stickers that have like the states and it says native? Yes, I've seen the yes. native and the captive. Have y'all seen the captive? <laughs> I love the captive. Ones. I had yeah. captive on my car. Yep. It's true. <laughs> Andres knows this. Yep. Oh, you, you saw my car too. I had, yep. I had captive on my car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You know, like, what do you mean when you say native? Right. You know because mean? real talk, you're not native, dog. You're not. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? The real um, natives got, got their land stolen. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey. Let's right, keep right. that real. The, the, the real natives didn't come over here on those ships. <laughs> <laughs> right. The real natives were not discovered. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So let's start wrapping up here. And, and the thing I want to talk about is with, with uh, nationalism is, and at least the exaggerated form, is my, my concern is that it, it delves into a place where it's more about fear tactics. It's more about who's us versus them, even within the mm-hmm. country, within the country, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you need to be careful for the people coming in from, I don't know, somewhere else or whatever, uh, this whole thing of, of being replaced like the whole Charlottesville thing, you're not going to replace us. That horrible chant. Yes. That was, that was said. I yes. mean, anyway, just thinking about that, but ultimately, and this leads back to the patriarchy that we were talking about is that in that, in that negative sense of nationalism, we can call it toxic is that there has to be a leader that has to be propped up. Someone that's going to protect quote unquote, us mm-hmm. you know even when when you hear oh you know like people are coming to the suburbs be careful be careful right that that sort of thing that kind of rhetoric mm-hmm. right. just that rooted in fear and, and i just keep thinking like what are we afraid of yeah you know what's what's this constant threat why do we always have to put up someone just so we can put up a strong and it's been a strong man unfortunately um, like, why do we keep, why do we keep doing that? That's my concern that we keep just sliding. Like we've, you know, we can be patriots mm-hmm. and like you mentioned, there could be a healthy way of being, um, uh, of nationalism. Yeah. But we just keep sliding into this pretty dangerous place that I just, I just don't like. Well, and so to me, like, I feel like part of the answer to your question uh, is, is, and this is maybe kind of dire for folks who are, so I tend to be more of a, I'm a, so I call myself, let's say a realist. Some folks may call me a pessimist. 
So like an optimist would call me a pessimist, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but I would say I'm more of a realist. And, and I say that to say this, part of why, we, why we're spiraling that way is it's nothing new. It's human nature. The optimist would love to believe that people are fundamentally good and it's not human nature because humans are like, people are good, right? And so for me, I would say, no, we're not both. So, and, and I could, I could cite both social and theological reasons for that, but I would say we're not good. We are, we are people who have the capacity for, for great things, mm-hmm. but we also have equal capacity for atrocity. Mm-hmm. That's the human condition. So that said, it's human nature to spiral downward like that. So like you think about the whole, so there is something in, so in, in psychology circles, it's called um, like the, the, the minimum in group identity model. So it is, it's inherent in human nature to choose groups, who's in, who's out, mm-hmm. you know, who's the in group, who's the out group, who's East Coast, who's West Coast, who's Coke, who's Pepsi, all that, right? Mm-hmm. Who's Apple, who's Android, that's human nature. The reason why I feel like we're spiraling down so much is because we keep having, you know, like, so technology and marketing and business and government and all these things are tapping into our human nature and pulling Mm. out what looks like might be the worst of us. Yeah. And so, and so like the, what, what they're doing is they're just like our, our negative tendencies are just dialed up. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm. but I think that's why we're getting there. And so it's, and, and. And, and so you have, you have all this, all this, and I, I agree with you, Andres, like with, with the whole straw man thing, you know? So you have, you have these, these, these toxic patriots, for example, that love America so much that would proudly display their American flag, right? And proudly display the flag of the Confederate States of America. Mm-hmm. A symbol of both treason and armed violence against the United States of America. But these are real Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've <laughs> right? never understood that one, but yeah. Right? So so you have right now, you have um the president wants to ban the teaching of actual history in our schools. Right? So, so he wants to prop up the, the like the great American fairy tale. He wants to prop that up. So I just heard a few days ago, right? Um that the that President Trump wants to, and this is this is the quote that I read. He wants to quote restore patriotic education in schools unquote. So what he wants to do is he's announcing something called the 1776 Initiative in opposition to Nicole Hannah Jones's work in the 1619 Project that she created with the New York Times. And so what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring mm-hmm. American history into the culture wars. Yeah, yeah. This, this 1619 project is fake news, it's fake history, it's this and this and this. Here's the real 1776. Okay, let's talk about 1776, shall we? Hmm. Let's talk about the fact that Thomas Jefferson said all men are created equal and that, and that he struggled and, and there were conversations about whether or not to include that. And there were conversations about whether or not to have uh, African and enslaved folks as full citizens. And then at the end of the day, there was a calculation made to not do that. Let's talk about 1776. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that from 1619 to the founding of the country, 
we had, you know, like, like America didn't just start in 1776. We had, we had colonial America mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we had this culture of wanting to believe the fairy tale that here we go, this virtuous nation mm-hmm. who, who threw off the, the, the fetters of the colonial, you know, King George and the colonial masters and so forth. And, and we became this beautiful nation free of, well, there's a couple of bad things that happened, but we're a great nation. Yeah. That's the lie that they want to keep telling folks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something else? Well, I was, I was going to just going to also add to that the whole idea of removing critical race theory mm. from like government organizations, like from federal organizations, right? Oh, yes. I heard about that one. Yeah. Yes. And so really, really quickly, critical race theory is this theoretical approach. And so what it does is it, it examines history. It examines culture. Um, as it relates to like category, categorizations of law and race and power. And it's based on critical legal theory, like critical legal studies. Okay. So they want to take out critical race theory and go back to the American fairy tale. Part of the construction of critical race theory is that the United States Supreme Court itself got into the business of deciding who was white and who was not. Hmm. Listeners. Look up the case mm-hmm. of uh, Tokao Ozawa. It's Ozawa v. United, v. United States, I believe it's um, 19, 1920. Or, or um, United States v. Thind, Bagatsin Thind, in 1921. Both of those were cases where um, Tokao Ozawa was a Japanese man, and he basically said, listen, by all social accounts, I'm a white man. I should be mm-hmm. considered white. And they said, no, not really. Your Supreme Court said this. Caucasian. Yes, Caucasian, yes. And Caucasian. then the following year, the Supreme Court completely flipped and reversed exactly what they just said the year previous because Sin, uh, uh, Thind, who was, a, who was Indian. an Indian man and, and, and he was a Sikh like, uh, by religion, he fought in the United States Army. And according to the racial pseudoscience of the day, Indians were listed, like East Indians, were listed as, as Aryan. Mm. So he made the case that he was Caucasian, that he was white. Part of the opinion of the Supreme Court, and we'll put this in the show notes, is that really no white is what the common man says it is. Mm. That was so, such a cop-out decision. It, it is. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, my point is, if you, let, let's talk about the real history, yeah. right? So, yeah, and and, that was, and that why was, are we so resistant to examining that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, all, all I was going to say something that pretty much backing up what you were saying, Jam- uh, Jamar. Now, okay, there's your new name. Justine oh, Christine go. and Abdul is Jamar. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> Jamar. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, Jamar Tinsby, that's what I meant. Uh, he put out a tweet a while back uh, in, in reference to the 1776 commission. He said, uh, one of the reasons so many people say, quote, I never knew or, mm. quote, they never taught me that in school. It's the ethos behind the 1776 commission. Tell a whitewashed version of history about American exceptionalism right. and label any facts that reveal the nation's flaws as unpatriotic. As unpatriotic, exactly right. So listen, so I have, you know, I've done workshops for a lot of years. And I have, and I have, I have been a part and directly trained tens of thousands of people 
in my time as a facilitator. I've had a lot of folks, and I promise you, the number one and two thing that I hear most frequently is, oh my God, I never knew this stuff. Mm-hmm. Followed by, what can I do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To which my response is, go learn this stuff yeah. because there's a reason why they don't want you to know it. Exactly. And part of the reason is they want to, is that they, whoever they are, but they want you to, to, to enforce this, this narrative, this narrative of American exceptionalism and American innocence more than anything else. American innocence and American lack of complicity in anything atrocious. Mm-hmm. So here's the last thing that I'll say. I read, I saw, it was like a meme on Facebook. I saw a couple of days ago and it got me and said, the greatest evils in history were carried out by the people who wrote the laws, not by the people who broke the laws. Ooh. Oh, snap. Now that was attributed to Malcolm X. I don't believe that it is, but I run it back. The greatest evils in history were carried out by the people that wrote the laws, mm-hmm. not by the people who broke the laws. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Think about Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Who killed six to nine million people. Think about Joseph Stalin who killed 23 to 25 million of his own people. They were heads of governments. Right. Think about our own United States. Yep. Absolutely. The greatest evils in history were carried out by people who wrote the laws, not by people who broke the laws. Yeah. Right. Slavery was mm-hmm. legal. So good. So was kind of right, leasing. Wow. So, so was redlining. Yes, so was gerrymandering. Y'all. Mm-hmm. So was mandatory minimum schools. sentencing. Mm-hmm. So was separate but equal. I I could do this all you day. Go on, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have all day. So um, <laughs> as we as we wrap up, I, uh, you know what? Uh, have you guys heard of the term the overview effect? Yes. No. You Elaborate. Have, okay. You haven't, Justine. All right. Overview effect is is a way of thinking. It's a it's a change mm-hmm. in the way you think. It's an, it's an awareness. So when astronauts doing a, a space flight, they're looking down on Earth, right? And then the experience firsthand the reality of Earth, which means that it's a a, a it's tiny. Mm-hmm. It's a fragile ball of life. It's just hanging out there in the void. The atmosphere is paper thin. Mm. Here's the thing. There are no national boundaries. The conflicts that divide people become less important. This is all from Wikipedia. And the need to create a planetary society with the united will to protect this pale blue dot becomes both obvious and imperative. Mm. Wow. And I'm thinking about that in how my faith tradition informs me. That sounds more from what I've read from my faith tradition than anything that I hear from nationalists or anything like that. I, I, this, I, you know, I struggle a little bit with the love of country. Not that I don't. I think that we're spending a whole lot of time Mm -hmm. on something that's not really that important. And we spend a lot of treasure Mm -hmm. in something that's not that important. 
And, and I just think about that every once in a while when these astronauts go into space and mm. they just look back at Earth and like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? What are we doing? Basically, I mean, from, that's uh, my understanding yeah. of the overview yeah. effect. It's like, what are we doing? We're spending yeah. so much energy mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. So yeah. I got four questions for listeners to think about as we land this plane. I want you to think about these four questions. Question number one. Please tell me which one you think is more important for a child to have, independence or respect for elders. Question two, tell me which one you think is more important for a child to have, obedience or self-reliance. Question three, please tell me which one you think is more important for a child to have, to be considerate or to be well-behaved. Finally, question four, please tell me which one you think is more important for your child to have, curiosity or good manners? Now, these four questions were created in the 90s by political scientist Stanley Feldman. And even though they seem to ask questions about parenting, they're really designed to reveal how highly people value hierarchy, order, conformity over other values. And what I'm getting at with those questions is at first, I was like, well, I kind of tend to order and hierarchy and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, But that's also language of patriarchy. That's language of authoritarianism. And we just got to be so, so careful. Mm -hmm. Because the line between patriotism, nationalism, authoritarianism is a slippery slope if we're not careful when we're listening to our leaders and how they talk. Right. So if you have a propensity toward hierarchy, order, conformity, I'm not saying you're bad or anything like that. Of course not. It's just, just be aware that you have that propensity and someone can exploit that for their benefit. Yo, so good. I love those questions. and. I don't know. I feel like I fall more on the independence, obedience. No, sorry. Independence, self-reliance, considerate, and curiosity end of that. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but very good. Very, very good. It's really good. Yes. So at some point, we have to take the liberals out to the woodshed, too. <laughs> Oops. So, <laughs> okay, what does that mean? <laughs> so, what I mean is, okay, so we're talking about page, like toxic patriarchy or toxic patriotism, and so it it certainly like so much of the conversation, not because of how we're framing, maybe because how we're framing it, but part of so much of the part of the conversation really does impact the more of the conservative end of the spectrum more than the liberal end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Now. The liberal in the spectrum has havoc all its own. Like yes. there, there's a there's a whole bunch of hot mess happening on the on the left. A whole bunch of hot mess happening. So I want to make sure that we that we call them folks out too. Because, you know, as we're as we're talking about um kind of perspective and worldview and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you know. Those of us who are kind of standing in the middle, looking at both sides, going, "Okay, wait a minute." Now, the issue to me is that both 
well, extremism is, is extremism and extremism is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, and we do have, you know, we do have some, I would call them liberal extremists. However, I would not characterize that in the same way that the conservative media has characterized that because they mean something different than what I mean. So anyway, more on that later. Let me just call for a new episode or a yes, different episode. Sir. Let me just call for a- Oh, that's going to be one of its own. Yes. Take the conversation further. Yes. Well, that does it for us for now. As always, if you like the show and the content, if you're encouraged or challenged by it, please rate the podcast, subscribe, share, and most importantly, drop us a review. That helps us show up in the podcast rankings, which helps folks find us and join our growing community. We can always use more soldiers. Also, if you have questions about anything we cover on the podcast, suggested episode ideas, or just want to reach out, become a member of our community on Facebook. We'll put that, that information again in the show notes. And we want to thank you guys all for listening. Once again, I'm Abdullah. I'm Andres. I'm Justine. Till next time, y'all. Keep the faith. Peace. Paz. Amani. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural, and ethnic conciliation and social justice within the church. Theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development.